Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I'm Liv, your host and giant nerd who loves mythology, but also thinks, hey, wish you would have treated those ladies a bit better, am I right? As promised, this week's mini-myth, the last episode before the new year, is about the god of medicine himself. Pupil of Chiron, mythological inventor of medicine generally, father of the goddess of health, Asclepius. Mini-myth. Asclepius, god of medicine. Or, Apollo has awful moments too. 
The god Apollo has many lovers, and for him more than any other, the lovers are a nice mixture of men and women. Apollo is an open-minded sort, ahead of his time. However, old Apollo still isn't always good to his lovers, because, of course, he's still an Olympian god, open-minded in sexual preferences or not. One woman, named Coronis, is treated particularly poorly by our Apollo, god of music and plague. You see, Apollo loves Coronis, and she becomes pregnant with his child. Meanwhile, at this time, the raven is a white bird, and is considered to be the bird of Apollo. I realize this may sound like a non-sequitur, but I promise it will make sense. One day, Apollo's white raven is flying around, and it happens to spot Coronis down on Earth. Cronus is with another man, in a kind of, shall we say, embrace. Apollo's white raven sees this and immediately flies back to Apollo to share the news. Apollo doesn't give Cronus a chance to explain herself or to say anything at all. As soon as the raven tells Apollo what it's just seen, he bursts in on Cronus and he shoots her dead with one of his arrows. Some say that it's actually Artemis that shoots her, after Apollo complained to his twin sister about her betrayal. Artemis is particularly devoted to her brother, even if it means a bit of an overreaction punishing slights against him. Now, I know Zeus and Hera were also involved in some similar type blame situations, but let's focus for a second on exactly how this is handled by Apollo and what kind of implications this has on, oh, I don't know, the number of women that still die today from domestic violence. Because it's most deaths of women. I know a lot of you don't like when I get this specific about the implications for our current climate, but in this case, I'm not glossing over how directly this ties to how so, so many women still die today. Angry men who have no control over themselves and shoot before even a passing thought enters their brain. And sure, the story comes from thousands of years ago and things were different. It was accepted then that women were property and you could do with them what you want. But I mean, as if that's an excuse for how the problem is still troublingly rampant today. I have two words for you. Toxic masculinity. And let me clarify that. I'm using the word toxic here. That's where the difference lies. It's not masculinity in general. There are forms of that that aren't dangerous. However, by and large, this idea of masculinity, this need to be in control and powerful and dominant, is dangerous. And it's where all the bullshit began those thousands of years ago, and it's why all that bullshit still stands now. So men of today, be better. Recognize this shit in yourselves and those around you and actively work to be different. Obviously, I'm not talking about recognizing the possibility that you might snap and kill someone. Just any part of your masculinity that might be toxic in any way, shape, or form. Even Apollo realizes he's acted too quickly, though, in his straight-up murder of this woman. He realizes not that he's done harm to her, because, but that he hasn't thought about his unborn child. It could be a boy, you know. Do I... do I go there? Hmm. Women being less important than their unborn fetuses. Hmm. What does that remind you of? Hmm. Hmm. This episode, am I right? As Coronis is burning on her funeral pyre, Apollo takes the baby from her womb. 
This baby he names Asclepius, and once he's born, Apollo brings Asclepius to Chiron, where he'll be raised and mentored in Chiron's many, many skills. But the raven who spotted Coronis, the raven who's the bearer of this news, news that was not only bad, but also resulted in the very rash death of Coronis, is punished. As punishment, Apollo turns the white raven to black, so that it will forever bear those bad tidings on its feathers. In his cave on Mount Pelion, Chiron raises Asclepius. The centaur raised so many children, heroes, in this time, but Asclepius is his favorite. Asclepius is the favorite because he's not like the other children. He's not racing around, constantly looking for stimulation in the outdoors or with sports and things. He's interested in truly learning from Chiron, the things Chiron knows best. Asclepius wants to learn the art of healing and of medicine. Before Asclepius, it's Chiron who's best at these things, who knows the most about healing herbs and potions. It's Chiron who knows the incantations that help in the healing. Chiron knows it all, and he's more than happy to teach Asclepius everything he knows. Dear nerds, I'm interrupting my own telling of a mythological tale to tell you about another one. You all likely tuned into the special sneak preview of Parcast's new podcast, Mythology, that dropped into my Myths Baby feed last week. Did you like it? I bet you did. It was really good. Of course, you all already love mythology generally, so I'm sure you'll be thrilled to keep listening to Parcast's Mythology. Parcast Mythology will cover Greek, Norse, and Egyptian myths, the ones we all know, as well as some lesser-known stories from the ancient Sumerians, Africans, the Japanese, and more. Every episode will dramatize an exciting story pulled from the beliefs of ancient cultures. They'll give insight into how those people saw the universe and how the stories still resonate today. They're talking the human condition on Parcast Mythology, and they do it by bringing stories to life with an ensemble cast of voice actors. Right now, you can listen to episodes on Athena, and upcoming episodes include the Norse god Loki, the Epic of Gilgamesh, a favorite of mine, from Mesopotamia, and the Egyptian gods Osiris and Isis. So do yourselves a favor and bring even more mythology into your life by searching and subscribing to Parcast's new podcast, Mythology. Just head to wherever you listen to this podcast and search Mythology. Or head to parcast.com mythology. That's Parcast, P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com slash mythology. Asclepius learns everything. Everything Chiron knows about healing and medicine and herbs and just all of it he teaches to Asclepius and Asclepius quickly masters. People from all across Greece travel to Asclepius to have him heal their ailments. He becomes famous, known everywhere as the person to heal whatever troubles you. This fame, though, this power that Asclepius gains, is not appreciated by all of the gods. You see, Asclepius is paid a great deal of money to not just heal someone, but to raise them from the dead. They say he did this using the blood of Medusa, 
Athena gifted him two vials of Medusa's blood, one from a vein on her left side and the other from her right. The blood from the left will raise the dead, and from the right will destroy everything. Instantly. It's powerful stuff. In some tellings, it's said that the man Asclepius raises from the dead is none other than Hippolytus, son of Theseus, the worst of the heroes. Sometimes it's even said that after he's brought back, he's then forever unable to be killed, and then he went to Italy, where he lives as the god named Verbius, and is worshipped by those people. Others say that Asclepius was paid to raise many men from the dead, Tyndarius, Glaucus, Orion. In any event, the end result is clear. At some point in this removing of persons from the underworld, Hades complains. Asclepius is taking people who are meant to reside with him for eternity, and he complains to his brother. Zeus is not happy with Asclepius. He acts as his son, Apollo, did in killing Asclepius' mother, quickly and without really thinking. Zeus takes one of his thunderbolts, hurls it at Asclepius, and it's done. Asclepius has been killed. When Asclepius is killed by Zeus, Apollo is so angry that, once again, he takes a very rash revenge. He travels to where the Cyclops reside, and he kills their sons. This makes Zeus even more angry, and this time, it's Apollo who's punished. Zeus punishes Apollo by forcing him to serve the king Admetus for some number of years that appears to be different depending on where you read it. For however many years, though, Apollo is this king's servant, which, I mean, would be kind of cool. Think of what you could do if you controlled a god for just a little while. The possibilities are endless, especially when they've been so shitty you don't really have the same guilt as you might otherwise. But enough about the awful deeds of Apollo, this is about Asclepius. While Asclepius dies young due to Zeus's anger, this idea of him lives on. Or some even say he's restored to life and so lives again, just like those he was punished for helping. Whether in his first or second life, though, Asclepius fathers some children, though I've found no reference to who their mother might be. Among his children are Machion and Hyia. Machion is, of course, the doctor and healer who helps the men of the Trojan War, and Hygieia, or Hygieia, is the goddess of health. Asclepius becomes known as the god of medicine and through ancient Greece is linked with medicine and healing and doctors generally. There are temples built to Asclepius, including on the slopes of the Acropolis in Athens, where people would travel to seek healing from whatever issues they may be dealing with. The people, and we're talking real Athenians now, would leave dedications at this temple for Asclepius. Dedications that were found there indicate that people visited the temple and expected their ailments to be healed during their dreams. It's a pretty beautiful idea, honestly. And the things they often left there indicated that they truly believed that they were being healed by this god. People would leave sculptures that would indicate what had been healed when they visited the Asclepion, the building. There's a statue of an ear and one of an entire leg. Honestly, the pieces were fascinating, but also wildly entertaining. They're basically these large blocks of marble, rectangular with a base and everything, and then protruding from the block is just an ear, or in the other case, an entire leg from the thigh down. 
I'm truly so curious about what was wrong with this person's ear or the other person's leg that they would go through the trouble of commissioning a statue of sorts of their body part so that it might be left in dedication to the god that helped heal them. Another piece of information I learned has very modern implications. Now, I'll note that this tidbit I did find on Wikipedia, but through my own knowledge, I would imagine it's accurate. Let me tell you why. So, a symbol became associated with Asclepius and medicine and healing generally. You see, Asclepius is known to have snakes as his sacred servants. It's not clear how they helped him, but they were deeply associated with him as a god and are portrayed around statues of him. Asclepius also had a staff, a rod, that he used in his healing. As such, there becomes a symbol, a staff with a snake wrapped around it, that's associated with Asclepius and therefore associated with the ancient practice of healing and medicine. Along the way, a different piece of iconography became, for lack of a better, less punny word, intertwined with this staff of Asclepius, and that's the caduceus. See, the caduceus, the staff with the wings and the two snakes wrapped around it, was carried by Hermes. Honestly, I've always kind of wondered how the caduceus becomes associated with medicine, since Hermes really has nothing to do with medicine. And I'd been curious about that, but I'd never looked it up. The caduceus is Hermes's thing. However, the staff of Asclepius vaguely resembles the caduceus. They are, of course, both staffs with at least one snake involved. And so over time, medicine becomes associated with the caduceus, not because of ancient Greek mythology or history, but because of the simple confusion that there were two staffs involving at least one snake. So the modern usage of the caduceus, particularly prevalent in North America, to represent medicine is totally unrelated to the actual mythology. Isn't that fascinating? You've seen it everywhere too, by the way, like it's on everything. Like, Whenever it came about, they thought they were using something associated with Asclepius, the very famous god of medicine, and wouldn't that make sense? Especially since the West likes to idolize everything the Greeks invented, which, let's be honest, is a ton, and the Greeks were incredible, and what they invented totally changed the world, but the West also has a habit of forgetting other equally important things that were invented by people that weren't white. I mean, you know the numerical system we use across the entire globe is Hindu-Arabic, right? But I digress. The point, friends, is the use of the caduceus to denote medicine is inaccurate and what it should really be is a rod without wings, with only a single snake wrapped around it. History, am I right? Another interesting note in Robert Graves' telling of this story, which I'll admit is different from much of what I've just told. Most of what you've heard today comes from Edith Hamilton, though the two stories greatly resemble one another, don't get me wrong. Regardless, Robert Graves notes that Athena, too, is sometimes associated with Hyia, or even called that herself, and that, if I'm understanding the phrasing correctly, her primary source of healing was mistletoe. He says that this Eastern European mistletoe comes from the oak tree, and that even the meaning of the Latin form of the name Asclepius means that which hangs from the esculent oak. He goes on to explain that the mistletoe is considered to be, yes, the genitals of the oak tree, 
and that when it was cut off, it was a form of emasculation, but also that the juices that came from this removed mistletoe was considered the sperm of the oak tree and was the source of the restorative and healing powers of the mistletoe. And so in this way, I say to you, happy holidays. What a whirlwind this was. Lots of random facts at the end there. I hope they made sense. Thanks so much for listening, pals. Happy holidays. I hope you all have a wonderful season of whatever you celebrate, if indeed you do celebrate anything at all. It's been a little while, so I'm going to go ahead and choose this season of giving to remind you all about my Patreon and one-off donation options. By pledging $5 or more to my Patreon, you'll get access to bonus episodes where I watch a movie about ancient or mythological Greece and talk about where those movies fail miserably and, rarely, where they succeed. So far, I've covered 300, Clash of the Titans, Disney's Hercules, and that's it, I think? (laughs) But Troy is en route. I'm in the midst of working on that episode right now. As well, I'll be starting a Patreon series where I discuss some of the sites I visited while in Athens. First up is the Acropolis, without the Parthenon, because that will receive its own episode. I'll talk about the buildings, what they were used for, and what they looked like, and you'll have access to photos I took while there that will connect to the things I talk about. I learned some pretty crazy and fun facts, and I'll be telling patrons about that on an episode very soon. Of course, by becoming a patron, you'll also be helping to support me and helping me to create these weekly episodes. They require so much research, books that go with that research, hosting fees, and endless time, and so anything you can give is greatly appreciated. That said, for those of you who aren't interested in a monthly commitment, I also have an option to make a one-time donation via PayPal. There are multiple options for amounts, so you can give only as much as you're able or want to. Both these are available on my website, mythsbaby.com. Just choose Want to Help at the top, and you'll be brought to an option for Patreon or the PayPal donation. And no, I appreciate any and everything any of you are able to give. Obviously, your listenership is a gift in itself, and I'm so thankful. But also, you know, we all gotta eat. Thank you again for listening and for coming along on this insane journey through mythology with me. I'll see you in 2019. I'm Liv, I love you all, and I love this shit. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.